The reading this morning is Luke chapter 11, verses 29 to 36. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, This is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign in the, at, at the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be in the generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment and the people of the generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with the generation and condemn it. For they, rep- for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something else, greater than Jonah, is here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the light of your body. Your eyes are healthy. Your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it, then, that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will just be as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to see you all. Uh, I was going to say in the flesh. Maybe that's not quite right, but face to face anyway, in the in person. After uh, having met last week via technology, um, I'm glad to be able to be with you and join in worshiping together until such time as Mike's back, which we hope will be very soon. Continuing the uh, passages and looking at the life of Jesus that Mike had already set out in his time frame for this period of of the year for Lent, the passage before us today is uh, one that I've made a little bit of a change to, so I'm looking at an earlier part of the chapter than what Mike would have initially looked at, but we still are focusing on Jesus. Uh, This morning... As my wife and I sat down to breakfast, um, we did what we always do and gave thanks. Our our prayers of thanks are sometimes longer than at other times because it's uh, not like my grandfather who used to uh, just bow his head and uh, say in a a voice that started somewhere up here and went down to there as he finished, (laughs) Sanctify, we beseech thee, O Lord, this food to our use and ourselves of thy service through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. (laughs) But uh, we... We uh, just take the time to acknowledge God and thank him for the various things we have around us, particularly the food on the table. But part of the reason for doing that is because we know him so well and he knows us so well and he is the one who provides, but it's also, it's just a way of affirming what's true for us. It's a way of affirming that God is our Heavenly Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ is our Saviour and the Holy Spirit is present with us in our home and family all the time. Affirmation like that is important at just about every stage of life, every activity of life. 
being able to affirm what's true, what the Lord has shown us. Now, that isn't something that just happens automatically. It's something that needs to be learned and practised. And one of the ways that that happens is through taking in the right information, taking in the input that God gives us. The passage before us today comes just after Jesus has uh, done one of the many miracles which he performed in which a man who'd been overcome, overpowered, controlled by an evil spirit had been set free. And this was something that Jesus did regularly. He was able to recognise the activity of Satan's dominion, Satan's servants as they tried to control people. And indeed, throughout Jesus' time, the activity of Satan's uh, servants was really quite heightened because of his desire to stop Jesus' ministry succeeding. And so from time to time, Jesus would just shut him up. And when he did so, of course, people who were the agents through which the evil spirits worked were set free. And for many, that was an incredible relief because they, in some cases, had been subject to these evil spirits for a long period of time. But on this occasion in Luke chapter 11, after Jesus has done this, some of those who were opposed to Jesus said, oh, he's only doing this because he himself is in league with the devil. It's only with the power of the devil that he's doing this. So Jesus actually sets about pointing out the fallacy of that argument when his famous statement, a house divided against itself, will not stand. How can Satan drive out Satan? But he said, if I drive out devils by the finger of God, then something much greater than Satan is here. And that's what he goes on to talk about. Because the people around him were seeking some sign. They were looking for signs of what Jesus had to say that would convince them of the truth of who he was. Um, John, in his gospel, talks particularly about these signs that Jesus gave, which were significant miracles, ones which pointed to some particular aspect of Jesus' ministry or activity. But throughout all the gospels, we see these signs, these activities of Jesus. And Jesus here is saying, there's not going to be any additional signs given to this generation, and that is to the people with whom he is living and working at that time in Palestine, He said, there is not going to be any particular sign given except, and then he goes on to say, this is a wicked generation that asks for a sign and none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Uh, The the story of Jonah was well known to the Old Testament people and as well as to the the Old Testament readers of Jesus' day. Um, And it was one in which Jonah himself, who had turned away from God's will and tried to get away from doing what God had told him to do, was brought to his senses in a rather dramatic way, as I'm sure most of you know the story. But Jesus said, no sign will be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. And then he says, one greater than Jonah is here. Something greater than Jonah is here. For just as Jonah spent time seemingly dead and then was spewed up on the beach by this giant sea creature, and actually went and preached what the Lord had told him to preach. As a result of that, the people to whom he preached believed. They repented, the people of Nineveh repented. And as a result of that, changes occurred in people's lives. And Jesus is saying, something much greater than Jonah is here. 
Well, what's the something greater? It's the entire plan of salvation that Jesus has come to bring. It's his own life, death and resurrection. It's, it's his own message of life through faith in him. And he also makes mention there of the Queen of Sheba coming to visit Solomon. And he says something greater than Solomon is here. What is it that's greater than Solomon? It's a greater wisdom than Solomon's wisdom. And Solomon was regarded as perhaps the wisest man of his generation, some would say, of all time, because of his extreme range of knowledge and the way he wrote and expressed wisdom. Then Jesus talks about how we take in this information and what we do with the signs that are around. And he says to his people that are listening, no one lights a lamp and then puts it in a place where it will be hidden. Jesus is here saying, I'm not, I haven't come to be hidden. I haven't come to hide. I may not have made the grandest entry into the world. My beginning was rather insignificant in a way. But now I am showing you clearly. He said, I am a light. And the light is being placed or seen by people so that they may understand. And then he says, your eye is the lamp of your body. And when your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they're unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. Now, I can remember years ago when I first read that passage thinking, my eyes being full of light. What does that mean? And I had this image of... Um, like in science fiction movies where you know the, the great villains have green light coming out of their eyes that burn holes in things and destroy people with a glance and so forth. But of course Jesus isn't talking about that sort of light in your eyes. He's talking about the light that we take in because he's talking about us being, as was in the children's talk, clean or lit up, fully, fully alive and alight on the inside when our eyes take in the right light. What's the right light? Well, Jesus is again referring to himself in, indirectly there. What we take in determines what we believe, and what we believe determines our eternity. And that's why it's important to understand that what we believe needs to be understood to be true and real, we need to understand for ourselves that the claims, the words that God gives to us in the scriptures are true. And sometimes some people take a great deal of time satisfying themselves about that. Others instinctively take the step of faith and say, I believe. And they just go on growing and learning. Others take more time to do that. But ultimately the process is the same. It's one in which people make an initial start to say, I am going to take Jesus at his word and as a result I will listen to him I will follow and bit by bit I'll grow and that is one of the things that God says exactly will happen to those who choose to believe he said his spirit comes to live in them and bit by bit they grow stage by stage step by step we journey in baptizing Thomas this morning one of the things that comes up is being able, when he is of age, to take upon himself the promises that have been made for him today. 
It's not possible for Thomas to say, yes, I will follow Jesus. I will fight against the devil. I will resist Satan and all his works. I repent of my sins. A little boy, a little baby infant can't do that. And so others are saying this is our intention for him. But at some point in his life, he will have the opportunity to make that decision. I remember when I was, I think, 14, at my confirmation, doing just that, when the bishop said, do you take upon yourself the promises made for you in your baptism? That may have been the first time in my life when I actually made an affirmation of something that was genuinely true for me when I said, yes, I do. I can't remember exactly all the circumstances, but it was a significant moment of choice. We need to affirm for ourselves, not just depend on other people's beliefs or other people's practices. We need to affirm for ourselves that we do choose to follow Jesus. And then, I guess day by day, we need to continue to let our eyes take in truth through absorbing the things of the Scriptures, through walking with Jesus by faith, and learning that it's important to keep speaking his name and living out the faith which we claim to have. Because it's only in that way that our faith matures, that more and more Holy Spirit working in us will affirm within us what's true and give us more and greater confidence to share that faith, that belief with others, to be able to live for him, not secretly but openly, to be able to affirm what is the true words of Jesus, the true faith that he is indeed saviour of the world. He is the son of God who came to die and live again in order that we might live with him. And so Jesus in that passage is talking about the ability to listen to him, to take up for ourselves the reality of who he is and what he says and affirm that. One of the things that... uh, I've enjoyed doing in my Christian life is singing about Jesus. I've been doing it since I was a child, I suppose, from the days when we used to sing the little children's songs in Sunday school. But more so than that, in my young adult life when I started folk singing, um, I was in a group that used to sing at a lot of church functions, so we sang a lot of gospel songs. And many of them were based on um, the old Negro spirituals, which for the Negro people of America at the time, were expressions of faith as well as expressions of freedom, but they were affirmations that there was indeed someone much greater who was watching over them and who had something in store for them that was far better than anything this life had. And throughout the many years of singing, I've continued to find songs which uh, affirm. And I think sometimes Christians don't always find it easy to affirm things in songs. We sing hymns and songs in church at times which are historically right to sing, but every so often it's nice to actually speak directly to God and say, you are the king who reigns in heaven and on earth. Lord, the light of your love is shining. And on and on we could go through many songs. I'm going to finish this morning with a song. Um... But I just want to finish speaking a little bit before I do because it's important to understand that the sign that Jesus is giving, not just in this passage but right through the Gospels, is the sign from the Father that he is the Son. The sign from the Father 
that he is the Savior. He is the Messiah, the promised one. He's the one the Old Testament was looking for. They used to talk many years ago about the golden chain right through the Old Testament, all the links of verses and promises and prophecies that looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. And many of the Jews were looking for that. And when Jesus came, the signs he gave should have convinced them all that he was the promised one. Well, some believed and some didn't. Some saw and took in the light. Some refused to see and stayed closed to the light. And I guess it's the same today. My friends, just as a way of, I hope, encouragement, be assured that around the world today, thousands of people will come to faith in Jesus Christ because the church of God, the believers gathered around the world, continue to grow, continues to magnify and multiply every day. We wish we could see that same sort of multiplication in our own community all the time. But we do rejoice when people come to believe. But Jesus is building his church and continues to do it as people hear the message, hear of him, believe that he is who he said he is, and make that choice to invite him in. He remains the same powerful God, miracle-working God, eternal God that he was when he was walking the planet. And it's something we should continue to affirm. Some of the songs which um, Christians sing uh, require no music to accompany them. Some are just chants. And uh, one of the affirmation songs was uh, called the Victory Chant. And uh, it went with drums and things like that. But I'm not, um, well, I'm not going to do a whole history or survey of chant songs today. I want to sing a song about Jesus. Jesus, hope of the nations, Jesus, comfort for all who mourn. You are the source of heaven's hope on earth. Jesus, light in the darkness, Jesus, truth in each circumstance. You are the source of heaven's light on earth. In history, you lived and died, you broke the chains, you rose to life. You are the hope living in us, you are the rock in whom we trust, you are the light shining for all the world to see. You rose from the dead, conquering fear. Our Prince of Peace, drawing us near, Jesus our hope, living for all who will receive. Lord, we believe. Jesus, 
of that for yourself this morning and say as much as I know of Jesus I believe and as much as I understand about the life to come I will follow him there and I will continue to search the scriptures and wait on him in prayer day by day in order that my eyes may continue to take in the light which lights me on the inside and gives me indeed true life. Amen. Amen.